Futures. Um, the, I'm Sarita, and with me is Trinity. Oh my gosh, Trinity, are you in your car? Yes, I am in, in my car. Um, I'm getting a lot of, actually, a lot of carpool karaoke vibes in here right now. No kidding. Well, you know, if you need to start singing, just just have at it. Um, well, you, you're looking good from your car, so let's, let's go for it. Uh, today, Trinity and I are thrilled to be interviewing Neil Welsh. He is the founder and CEO of one of the hottest social uh, and digital media marketing firms in the United States. Uh, you got any clue what he does, Trinity? Honestly, I can't say that I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too sure either what Silverback Strategies does, but I think they're the reason I bought all those hoodies online with the Viking logos. I bought oh, them for, for my nephews after seeing them like in my Facebook feed, my Instagram feed, every time I did a Google search for like a week. So I really, really hope that they like them when they finally arrive. Anyways. Uh, we're really excited to learn about uh, Neil's career and how we got there. And always, like with all of our guests, they're uber successful right now, but it didn't always start that way. Hello, Neil. Welcome. and great to have you here today. Hi, Trinity. Hi, Sarita. So Thanks for having me. So do you think maybe you can help us get a better understanding of what exactly a social and digital media marketing firm does? Yeah, of course. My pleasure. So at Silverback, we help our clients grow their businesses using advertising platforms like Google, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So our clients usually come to us and they'll say, I want to sell more of this product, like the hoodie that Sarita was talking about earlier, or I want to sell more of this service. And what we'll do is understand who their audience is and how we reach them online and drive them to take an action like buying a product making a call or filling out a form. So do you do like research on who people are and what they like? Great question. So it, we do have research capabilities in house. And at times we do certainly invest in research to understand um, what makes an audience act, what, what an audience values when they're buying a buying a product or service. But for the most part, the platforms are so sophisticated these days. I think, Sarita, you gave a great example that we're able to target an audience based on not necessarily who they are, man, woman, age, geography, but really what their interests are. And so if you're in the market to buy something like a gift or a hoodie or clothing, a lot of these platforms will put you into an audience segment where we can then target you to serve you the right ads to buy that product. That's kind of scary that they know this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, we hear that a lot. And that's really the trade-off these days is that us as Americans, we get access to all these great platforms like Facebook and Google and Google Calendar and Google Maps, and we get to use all these things for free. And the exchange, the bargain is that they understand what we're doing within the platforms, and then that understanding is then used to sell products and services through advertising. So are yep. your... Um, your audience that you're uh, targeting, is that um, 
are, are they do they know that you're collecting this data or how does that how does that work great question so all of these platforms google and facebook and linkedin uh instagram they all have very uh very strict data privacy rules and regulations so um as an advertiser, uh, the company uh, that hires us and us as the advertising agency, we don't necessarily know who people are as individuals, but we have an understanding of, we want this audience to see this ad. So we can understand who an audience is in general and maybe what interests they have or if they're in the market to buy a product or a service but we don't have any of the personable, personally identifiable information like name, phone number, address, nothing like that. So that, that sounds amazing. Um, what would you say that you love most about your career? Yeah, so in, in my career, um, I think I've been fortunate to work with great people. And I know we've talked a little bit about technology today, but our company is really built off people. And um, the most rewarding part of my career and the most rewarding part of my job is that I get to work with a great team. It's, um, it's, it's always easy to have wins with a team. Um, but what I think is really cool is if you have the right team that supports you, that lets you be vulnerable, that lets you take risks and fail and uh, learn from your mistakes, um, then you can even enjoy the losses. You know, you can enjoy uh, how to learn from an experience and how to grow and get better as a team. So for me, that's one of the most rewarding parts of my career and really my job today. That's cool. That's very cool. Well, do you have ever do you ever have days that aren't so great? Like what what do you not like about what your job? Yeah, so you know, I I am fortunate because I've had a lot of jobs where I had to do a lot of things that I didn't like. And I've had um like many people, a, a long career path of different jobs, doing different things to really finally find what I was passionate about and, and what I've liked. So for me, uh, there really are, are no parts of my current job that I don't enjoy. And uh, that hasn't always been the case. Trust me, I've had plenty of jobs where I didn't like several parts of the jobs and, and sometimes maybe just did not like the job as a whole. But I think that's why it's so important to find something that is not just about making money. Uh, I think success is really defined by finding something you're passionate about and being able to do that every day. And when you find that, I think things like the money or the job title or the things that a lot of people use to define success, I think those things really fall into place. Got it. So uh, let's talk about some of those early days and that some of those previous jobs that maybe you didn't like. Sure. Did you find, did they help you along your career path or, or were they just like, you know, you shouldn't have done it in the first place? Absolutely. So I, I think that everything in life should really be looked at as an experience and you have great experiences and then you have bad experiences or, or challenging experiences. And I think it's really important to understand how to learn and grow from some of those challenging experiences. So for me, 
Um, some of those really early jobs, um, you know, there were parts of it that I really liked and, and parts of it that were more challenging for me. Um, I uh, never went to college. So right out of high school, I started waiting tables and then I started selling cars. And in both of those jobs, um, I think I realized parts of parts of the job that really worked for me, like communicating with people or working on a team and parts of the job um, that maybe didn't work as well. Um, and each one of those jobs to me was an experience that I learned from. And I was able to walk away from it and say, this is something that I liked about that job. And maybe this is something that didn't work as well for me. And as I'm progressing down my career path, whether it's waiting tables or selling cars or managing a digital marketing agency, I was able to really understand what I was working towards and what were my likes and dislikes as it came to doing a job every day. So throughout your early careers, would you say that your experiences, how did you decide that digital marketing was, was really the path that you wanted to take from busting tables and selling cars? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I'll just talk. I'll just talk about my my career path for a second, if that's okay. Um, I you know I grew up with um, pretty severe learning disabilities, and school was really hard for me. My dad was an English teacher, and um, my dad sat me down and said, "If you want to go to college, I'll do whatever I can to help you go to school and get in the right school, but college isn't for everybody. And if you don't want to go, you don't have to go." And for me, that was a moment. Um, that really allowed me to understand that I could take risks in life and I can do something different. And I didn't really have to follow the same path as everybody else. You know, my success as an individual, my, my success in life is not defined by how well I did in school. There's something else out there for me. So, um, uh, right out of school, I started uh, waiting tables. It was a great experience. I loved the human interaction. I loved dealing with people. I loved working on a team. Um, from there, I, I sold cars, and uh, I really enjoyed selling cars, and it was an awesome environment uh, where you really get an education on dealing with people, and you understand um, that selling is not just about trying to get somebody to buy a product or a service. It's about asking questions and listening and understanding how can you provide value to this individual? What is this thing that's changed in their life that has brought them, uh, in this case, into this car dealership? And how can you help them find the right product that's going to really improve their life and make this a, a, better, uh, a better engagement for, for every party? Um, so those, you know, those experiences... Um, I think um, uh, uh, led up to a moment where I got into marketing and this was 15 years ago. And I, um, I uh, was testing out a brand new advertising platform called Google ads for my boss. And uh, back in the day, 15 years ago, not everybody knew what Google was. We didn't understand how powerful it was. Um, and in this platform, we realized very quickly that you can target somebody based on, where they conduct their search from. Uh, what time of day uh, do you want to show the ad? Uh, is there a particular keyword that they're typing in that would allow your ad to display? And the coolest thing was you only paid as an advertiser if somebody clicked on your ad. Now, 
This was a day where everybody was spending money on television and newspaper and radio. So if you're selling, let's say I'm selling a car and I have a TV advertisement, maybe only 5% of the people that see that advertisement are really in the market to buy that car. But I'm paying as an advertiser for all the people to see that ad. And that was really how advertising was looked at back then. It was much about reaching an audience, whether the audience was in the market to buy that product or not. So what was so innovative about Google and what was so interesting to me was that I can show an ad to somebody who is looking for this product or this service. They're, they're, they're expressing the intent of actually searching for this thing through a search engine. So there I thought, I don't really understand this stuff, but I feel like this is the future and I like sales and I like working with people. And if I can find somebody that can do this, I think I could go out there and sell it and I could find somebody to actually do the technical marketing parking part of it. And I think it could work. So that was how I founded Silverback about 13 years ago. I found people that really understood how the advertising platforms work. And I leveraged my passion and my experience for sales. And we went out there and we started to sell a service where we manage these platforms for various companies and brands. That's absolutely amazing. That I that thank you so much for sharing that 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 helps us understand how do we build ourselves from starting and in your case starting uh, fresh out of high school and yeah. founding uh, and uh, founding your own company that's gone on to do uh, so ex extraordinarily extraordinarily well in a cutting edge technology. Trinity, you got more questions for Neil. Um, yes, I, I kind of have a question. So from like maybe the consumer point of view, let's say like, for example, if I'm like looking for a couch, for example, there are multiple furniture stores. So how as an advertising mar marketing, how would you decide which like store or which advertisement to properly just like to advertise to the consumer? Oh, great question. Great question. Yeah, sure. Awesome question. So we'll use the couch example. Um, so um, let's uh, let's break this down but we by what we call the buyer's journey. And I'm sure we can all relate to this as consumers who have purchased products. So um, we'll start at the end, which is when you're ready to take action. So when you're ready to buy a couch, you're searching for maybe furniture store near me or couch sales. Uh, you're, 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 you're telling a search engine, you're expressing that you're in the final stages of this purchase and you're comparing the different options. Uh, the next phase up from there would be the consideration part. And that's where you haven't maybe quite committed to buying it, but you're researching it. And maybe you're saying, what is the difference between a sectional or a love seat? And you're asking questions and you're looking at options and you're really researching which product is the right product for you based on your needs. The last, uh, or really is the first part of the consumer journey is awareness. So um, when you see brands um, like uh, Coca-Cola or Pepsi uh, or, or some of the beer brands, when they advertise on the Super Bowl, 
Um, they're doing that to create awareness so that when you're going to buy a product, you can recall that brand and you can have that familiarity with the brand um, that's going to drive a higher likelihood of you buying that product. So what most marketing agencies are going to do in our industry is really understand that journey. How do you build awareness so people know the brand? How do you build some uh, some touch points within the consideration phase where people are researching the, 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 the purchase? And then how do you really get, this is the important part, how do you get the product in front of the consumer when they're ready to purchase? So what we would do is understand there is that journey that every consumer takes, and then how are we going to show ads on various platforms and different formats throughout that journey? Maybe a YouTube ad that answers questions about which couch is right for an apartment, a townhouse, or a 3,500-square-foot home. Uh, that YouTube video could be something that would help people really research that purchase. Maybe a, a search ad that you'll see at the top of search results when you're typing couch sale, Los Angeles, California. That's an ad that's built to really drive that user to that page to, to complete that purchase. So there's different formats and different platforms, but I think the important part is understanding what the journey looks like and then how are you serving ads to the right people at the right time across that journey. Wow, that's, it sounds like a lot, but it's very, very interesting how it all kind of like works out. It really is. It really is interesting. Yeah. So then tell me, how does the ads follow me across all <laughs> these different platforms? Like, filming <sighs> me until I actually buy it. <laughs> you know, that that's, uh, that's a great question. And that has ruined a few, a Christmas or two in my house. I'll tell you, it's, uh, if we're sharing computers and I'll see an ad following me around, I kind of understand what my wife was looking for. So you, there are definitely some downsides to what we would call retargeting or remarketing. Um, so the, the way that, that that particular ad format works is that, um, if you visit a website, uh, and that website we'll call what is called cookies you if it essentially tags you and um, let's say you don't purchase the product that you looked at um, the advertising networks across the internet will give that advertiser the ability to show ads to you when you visit other sites so um, that has been a, a an interesting and new ad format over the past several years that really helps with that bottom of the funnel action where you're trying to really push somebody to make a purchase by by continuing to push that product and and sometimes a better incentive a better sale a better deal in front of the consumer very cool well i uh, let's turn right now and just talk a little bit about and now that you've like made everybody aware of of what you do what silverback does i'm sure a bunch of our audience are really excited how do they get to do what you do? What kind of skills? You kind of talked a little bit about uh, marketing and sales skills. You really like mm -hmm. to interact with people. Like, uh, give us some of the skill sets of your incredible team uh, that our youth might, who have those skills, might think that they could find themselves in a role like yours. Yeah, great question. So I, there are. Uh, what's important to to any successful organization is understanding that. There is a broad array of skill sets. You know, different people have different strengths and different weaknesses. 
personally, I could not do a lot of the things that my team does. You know, I provide value in a different way. So for us, it's really about understanding the the right role and then what is the the particular strengths or skills that individuals need within that role and that can span several different um several different uh roles and and different skill sets so one of them could be um if your job is to actually manage these digital marketing campaigns and you're in these platforms like google and facebook it's important to look at the data that the platform gives you and use that data to make decisions as to how you're spending an advertising budget. So the beauty of these platforms is we can put money into the platforms as an investment, and then we can see, here's how this campaign is is performing. Here's how this particular ad is performing. Is this message performing better than this other message? So these are all data points that account managers can use to drive better performance. So account managers that are are in those platforms that are, are looking at that data and leveraging that data to make decisions, those are really analytical thinkers. Those are people who understand how to really look at data and then use that data to make better marketing decisions. But on the other side of the spectrum, um, there are, are people within our company um, that maybe are not as proficient with looking at data sets um, and are really better communicators and are better um, to really understand how to start a conversation with a client or a sales prospect and really uncover what type of change exists in their business and how they can uh, how they can position the right digital marketing campaign to achieve their goals. So that type of individual is a totally different person. And maybe that person is a good listener. Um, maybe they really understand how to communicate with people. Um, maybe they have a sense of empathy where they really understand what people are going through. They understand the challenges, the frustrations. And because of that understanding, they can then put the right campaign together. They can then sell the right product. So, if I was giving advice to any of the listeners as to how you could get into digital marketing, I would look at it from that big picture of if you want to be a marketer working within these platforms, leveraging data to make marketing decisions, Google and Facebook have all sorts of great free tools and resources and even classes where you can go through a process of really understanding how to use these platforms. And then on the other end of that, when you have that understanding, you can provide a lot of value as a technical marketer or a digital marketer. If it's more so about the sales side or the client management side, I think there are a lot of soft skills or communication skills that you can pick up that can really help you better understand how to communicate with people and then how to tie in that level of communication to the right marketing strategy. Fabulous. And we'll put those at the end of this video. We'll put some of those resources up for uh, our audience. Fantastic. That sounds like a great idea. Trinity, you got anything? Um, I think you really answered all of my questions that I had. Um, yeah, I, I think you pretty much summed up all of my questions. I did have one, but I, I kind of just forgot it right now. It like kind of was at the tip of my tongue. Were you going to make me sing? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's uh, uh, I Foster Futures karaoke. That's <laughs> part of the whole thing. Um, I can do James Corden. The <laughs> yeah, 
I just want to go back. This has been such a positive, positive <clears throat> interview. You seem to like you started your career out uh, coming out of high school, busing tables. Um, and I, I, you just made it sound so positive. Tell me, you must have encountered challenges, hit barriers where you thought that you couldn't overcome them. And what do you do when that happens? Because it's not all sunny days. We know that. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, I think this is the most important part of the interview. And, and this is, uh, I think, this is not not something that it only matters if you want to get a job or be an entrepreneur. But I think this is just an essential lesson in life is that if you look at somebody who has a particular job or position or they could be an entrepreneur or an athlete, um, it's easy to look at them and say, oh, that person's successful and that's why they're positive or that's why they're able um, to do what they do. Um, when in fact, every entrepreneur and all people from all walks of life that are successful, the one thing they have in common is they understand that failure and rejection and roadblocks, it's never destination, right? It's never that this happened and that's the end of it. It's part of the journey. It's part of the process. So I, I have so many uh, rough days or roadblocks or challenges or failures um, that I, I could never tell you, you know, half of them. But I think what's important is not necessarily what are those challenges or what are those failures. It's really important in understanding that that is part of the process. You know, Walt Disney got fired from a newspaper job because they said he wasn't creative enough. Uh, Oprah Winfrey was fired from a TV station where she was an anchor. Everybody has a story like this. And I think the people that are able to overcome those rough spots, those challenges, and keep trying and keep persevering, that's the real definition of success. And for me, um, that is, I think, the biggest part of life is really trying to push through some of those obstacles, keep keep moving and keep learning, and eventually you'll figure out what works for you and you'll figure out how to do that long term. Brilliantly said. That is fantastic. You are absolutely right. Audience, rewind this section and play it over and over again. Whenever you have a bad day, whenever you hit that barrier, play Neil and <laughs> you shall overcome as well. So Neil, thank you so much for sharing with us today. We absolutely appreciated it. Uh, Trinity, any last words for Neil? No, yes, just thank you so much for answering all of our questions that we had. It was it was great having you here. I really appreciate you taking the time and and answering our questions that we had. Thank you, Trinity. Thank you so much, Sarita. And I I uh, I, I apologize in advance for any of those ads that follow you around the internet after today. Well, if I don't get my hoodies, you know who I'm going to come after. Okay. <laughs> That's all I got to say. But no, seriously, thank you, Neil. Any last words? I mean, your last segment was just phenomenal. Uh, and a ser I'm serious, our audience should play it anytime they're having a bad day. But any last final thoughts you want to share with our audience? I think I think the, the last question you asked was the most important one. And I think if there was one, one parting thought, it would be that notion of uh, – Failure is a step in the process. It's not a destination. And and the the people who really are successful are the ones that push through that. 
And I, I have a high degree of confidence that the entire iFoster family and community is uh, is capable of that. So that that is uh, what I think is is the most important lesson in my life, and that's something that I'd love to share with everybody. Beautiful, wonderful. Thank, Thank you, Neil. You. Thank you so much. My Thank pleasure. You. Thank you. Talk soon. Bye. All right, Trinity, that was like massively inspiring, wasn't it? Yes, it was. At least now I can say that I know what a digital marketing um, firm does. <laughs> yes, and I know who to go after if if my Viking hoodies don't show up. Exactly. Well, there you go, I foster a future audience. Uh, if what Neil talked about today around uh, social and digital media marketing, uh, at the end of this, we'll have some resources for you. But remember, you always start building your career with your core job skills. You can do that online through our self-directed trainings at uh, ifoster.org or on your app. Uh, and you can always join one of our jobs programs uh, coming up. Schedule is also online. Again, see you next time on iFoster Futures. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Want to learn more about Silverback Strategies? Go to their website at www.silverbackstrategies.com. Here are two good websites with introductory resources on social and digital media marketing, www.mozmoz.com backslash learn backslash SEO, www.hubspot.com backslash digital dash marketing. Access iFoster self-directed job skills training at our website, www.ifoster.org or on your iFoster app.